0: Hello, and welcome to Data Unchained, a podcast about solving the problems of global decentralized data. I'm Molly Presley. I'm the host of Data Unchained. And I'm super excited to get to um, welcome a old friend and colleague, as well as a great guest to this um, podcast recording, Eric Schollard, who is the VP of Sales at Carbon Robotics. Eric, great to have you here.
1: Hey, thanks, Molly. It's good to be here.
0: So tell us a little bit about your background and about Carbon Robotics.
1: Sure, thanks. Uh, I s- spent about the last 30, 35 years mostly in the data storage industry. I started in storage in the 80s uh, and then working at companies like EMC, IBM, Veritas, Isilon, uh, Cumulo. have really watched the, the data storage industry change and evolve and grow. Uh, and it's been really exciting to, to watch. And I look forward to talking with you about it. Uh, currently, I'm head of sales at a really exciting agricultural technology company called Carbon Robotics, where we're using a combination of artificial intelligence, computer vision, and lasers uh, to help farmers control weeds without using herbicides, pesticides, and other uh, non-ecologically friendly methods. It's really fun. We're based here in Seattle, and in fact, founders of Iceland are the uh, the founders of Carbon.
0: Ah, so is that the tie that got you to Carbon Robotics?
1: That's the connection. Getting the band back together again. That's how these things go.
0: And I think from a skill set perspective, thinking about, it used to be kind of about storage. How do you store data? And I mean, the title of this podcast is Data Unchained. But I think more generally, people are more and more concerned with how can I get access to data that may be generated? In all kinds of places, whether it's on a tractor that has lasers or is at other edge devices or is in a traditional data center, that data value is a big deal and kind of where people's minds are today versus just out of store. It. Would you agree with that?
1: hundred percent. I mean, you know, even just thinking about the time that I've spent in the business, uh, you know, every place I've ever been, you know, one of the things we've talked about is the rate at which data is being created and the kinds of data that are being created and the rate that it's accelerating and how much data is going to be created in the future. So this notion of an avalanche of data that's coming at us uh, has, has not changed. And in fact, it's it, it's really accelerated um, and and that's going to keep on going.
0: And so the avalanche of data being created is definitely true. I think we all see it in home devices or consumer devices. But it's also, if you read, much about the capabilities of compute and um, the cloud workloads, data is being created fast. But I think the value of data is increasingly becoming obvious to organizations. And you talked about the more of it you can store for longer, the better. Why do you think that that's an important Piece to the story.
1: Well, the the idea that you know we're we're finding new ways to create lots and lots of data is um, is both a, a challenge and an opportunity. And and for the longest time, the storage industry uh, has really dealt with a condition of scarcity. The idea that there's more data than a customer can afford. Uh, to store because the buckets that they want to store that data in aren't big enough. They can't get the data in the right place. Data gravity, the weight of moving data from place to place is really a challenge. Or if they can get the data there, they can't get enough performance to make it useful, whether that's measured in IOPS or throughput or whatever. And in many ways that, that scarcity problem's gotten a lot worse. Um, the rise of machine data, data that's created by machines and applications and devices uh, you know, I mean, uh, a gene sequencer can create more data in a second than a person at a keyboard can create in an entire year. Um, the rise of intelligent applications that, you know, use artificial intelligence uh, to let us do new things with data that we couldn't have done in the past, workflows uh, that are emerging that require reliable, fast data access to distributed workforces. And then, of course, you know, the heterogeneity of hardware devices, software applications, protocols, user types. It's it's just made this whole thing a whole lot worse. and. The What we need to figure out how to do is how to move from this notion in the industry of, you know, data scarcity, you know, to unlocking solutions that allow us to have data ubiquity. Uh, and that's really what I think the big opportunity in front of the business across a whole bunch of different fronts looks like.
0: Why do you think in the years that you've been looking at this from the different perspectives, the different organizations and customers you've worked with, why do you think it has been a hard problem to solve, the scarcity problem? Well, because
1: it manifests itself in in a, in a variety of different ways. We talked about a few of them. Um, but, you know, the storage vendors and the industry have really been incremental in their approach to the problem. I mean, the the rate at which data is generated is growing faster than the incremental approaches the industry is taking to solving it. Sure, we'll bring out more and more density in terms of media types. Uh, I just read about a 100 terabyte SSD uh, that was announced earlier this month, which seems like Amazing. An, 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 a crazy Unfathomable amount. And,
0: five in years five element. years, it'll seem yeah. very, very
1: small. Uh, new media types that have come over the years. I mean, we moved from, you know, tape to disk, and from disk to fiber channel, SATA, storage class memory, SSDs. You know, these are all, all been incremental little improvements. We've, you know, we used software to try and solve the problem with deduplication and compression. Uh, we've used, you know, other kinds of software to try and move data around using HSM, if any of our old mainframe friends remember that stuff, or storage resource management, which was a, a term we talked about back in the uh, at the turn of the, of the century, continuous data progression. Uh, continuous data protection, tiering, migration. All, these are all been responses to try and fundamentally, you know, mechanically move the data around or put it in a bigger bucket. And that just isn't going to get the job done, you know, especially, you know, given where we're at these days.
0: It seems super complicated. And like a lot of technologies were built one on top of the other, Trying to incrementally solve different problems, um, you know, I, and I know that you've been looking at the industry from different perspectives as a board member, as you know, an advisor, things like that. But what what doesn't an ideal solution look like, you know? I, and I and it always tickles in my head. Why haven't even the cloud vendors solved this? I mean, isn't this what the cloud was supposed to do?
1: Yeah. Well, so we're I, I yeah we can talk about that for a minute, but you know the the, the thing that really rolls around in my head is you know, this data has intrinsic value, right? And in order for us to, you know, um, unlock or unchain (laughs) the value of the data, you know, there's this sort of formula, like the the data's value increases, you know, the more of it you can afford to store times the number of people and applications that you can deliver it to securely, uh, you know, because security is a big deal these days, times the amount of time you can afford to retain it. And all of those different pieces of that value chain have been, you know, under pressure at different times, and there's different vendors that are attacking it along the way. But the progress that's been made in those areas has been really fundamentally uh, at the cost of, in many cases, vendor lock-in. You know, if you want to solve this problem, you got to buy everything from one vendor, and you got to work in their uh, little ecosystem. And in many cases, you're going to over-provision. You're going to buy a lot more resource than you actually need, uh, and you're going to sort of make that trade. Uh, to try and solve at least one piece of that problem, whether it's, you know, being able to just simply scale to larger sizes or to be able to move it around or what have you. But, you know, the industry really hasn't gotten itself together on on, on cooperating around industry standards. You know, APIs have been like hostage swaps at the Brandenburg Gate, you know, with, with knives drawn and, you know, compatibility matrices and interop labs and cruddy support. I mean, at some point, the users do kind of throw their hands up and say, all right, I'm going to I'm going to pick the cleanest of these dirty shirts and I'll wear that one for a while until something better comes along. But you know what, what really the world wants and has wanted for 20 years. I mean, we've been talking about this, this, all your data to all your teams all the time. It's been this holy grail quest, in the industry, but you know, nobody's really delivered on that. And you mentioned, you know, the cloud uh, service providers and, you know, they're just kind of the latest. Version of a concept that's been rolling around for 25 years. We called them storage service providers (SSPs) back in the you know kind of the the bubble era. Uh, then it was grid storage, you know, utility storage. Now we're talking about cloud and you know infrastructure as a service, and they've been chipping away. Uh, in many cases, I think at the ubiquity problem. Um, from the perspective of scale, I mean, it, it is true that you know, with the rise of you know the the major you know platform providers, the AWSs, the Azures, the GCPs, the Ollies, the Ten Cents, you know, these kind of organizations, you can certainly uh, access and store a lot of data, you know, in ways you couldn't before, uh, and you can scale and be flexible. And so they've really tackled a big part of the problem, but there's still uh, a bunch of problems that, that that remain. You know, these hybrid workloads that don't all exist in the cloud. Um, apps that you know can't be easily rewritten to, to to run in cloud. Obviously, issues with protocols and latency, um, consistency across geographies where you've got multiple workers, you know, trying to process pieces of that data at different times and, and trying not to corrupt that stuff. Uh, and then, of course, just complexity uh, and and security. So there's we've made progress, and it's great to see. And as an industry, we keep doing that. Um, but but we're not we're not really there yet. And and I see some things that are really promising. Um, but it 's funny, it seems like over history, every time we make progress against one of these fronts, like some new type of data emerges that just you know sends another wave crashing over the over the bow, if you will.
0: Absolutely. So just to help our audience know kind of where to look at some of the more promising ideas and technologies today, where would you point them?
1: Not necessarily vendors, but approaches. I think software is the key to the whole thing right now. I mean, it's clear that we're going to keep bringing to to bear new and very exciting types of, of media, you know, ways or places that data is physically stored you know, and, and there's a whole bunch of great things there. I'm, I'm not going to touch on that, but it's really, you know, it's about, it's going to be about software and the use of software to fundamentally attack some of these problems that will unlock ubiquity. And uh, I think that's because as the data scales to volumes and uh, layers, levels of complexity that we haven't seen before, you know, we're going to, we're going to see the scale of human execution. And so using technologies like, you know, artificial intelligence uh, for orchestration, for security, uh, for understanding and managing data protection and healing architectures for remediation of common administrative tasks. I mean, these are some of the the really down low tactical things that have tripped us up when we've tried to get to this this data ubiquity. And I, I really think what it's going to come down to is metadata. I think that you know really understanding the data about the data and the characteristics of that data, and then bringing tools and technologies to bear that use the metadata as the leverage point, as the force multiplier, if you will, to be able to unlock. Some of these you know these holy grails of ubiquity, you know knowing which data needs to be where, based on you know decisions or policies that have been made, getting it to the right place reliably, protecting it, making sure it's secure, uh, understanding what can be saved or what can be put in some other class or tier of storage. I really think that's where you know where the the breakthroughs are going to be and, and there are some companies that are doing some really cool things in that area, but you know metadata is a, a, a thing that has really taken off in the last five years and the sophistication with which. Tools can use that stuff, and applications will rely on it. I think that's really where all the the big the, the big opportunities are right now for this ubiquity uh, thing that we're trying to fix.
0: So this whole idea of let the software, let the machines do the work, let them use metadata to make good good decisions is kind of on the forefront, I think, of where a lot of development is going on today. Um, and you know, but that's a little bit of a different conversation than people were having five or ten years ago about where to store the data. So, you know, what's the stake here? You know, if, if people don't make the jump and start investigating some of these new technologies, um, you know, what what do they s- potentially gain if they move to these new technologies or what do they serve to lose if they don't?
1: Well, I mean, in the storage industry, we have for years had these high flying, high minded uh, value propositions and taglines for companies, your data everywhere. And, you know, the idea that you can, have all your data all the time for all your people, because fundamentally we know that businesses are more competitive and more efficient when they can use data to make better decisions and to make their users more productive and to unlock, you know, opportunities to, you know, to, to do things better. Uh, again, the thing that's been the headwind in that front is the cost and the complexity of, of actually doing that. And so the opportunity is, you know, that if we can get it right as a business, as a, you know, as a, as, as a group, then that promise that's been a promise can start to become more real than it's than it's ever been before. Uh, but on the other hand, if we in, as an industry can't get it right, if buyers are going to be forced back into the same walled gardens, you know, dominated by the same oligopoly of three and four letter storage vendors, you know, that have failed to solve the problem yet, and who are going to co-op innovative, promising young companies by buying them out uh, before they can disrupt their their status quo. And, and what we'll find is, you know, we'll be back to this era of, you know, trying to, you know, buy from a couple of folks and, and they're, they're not going to solve the problem, you know. So there's this big opportunity to, to solve the ubiquity problem across the whole industry. And the stakes are high enough that if we don't get it right, we're just going to keep doing it the way we've been doing it. Uh, and, and that's not going to, you know, it, it, and the users, the buyers, uh, you know, they'll spend too much money. They won't get what they want. Uh, and, and ultimately, this promise of the value of, you know, having access to all your data all the time, wherever you need it, will just continue to be a, a you know, a pipe dream.
0: Wow. It's a lot to think about. Um, I really appreciate you sharing that, I, you know, that final bit you were talking about of if all the more innovative younger companies or newer companies keep getting bought up by the legacy ones, sometimes that hampers <laughs> The creativity is it's an interesting perspective, but it's true. It gets kind of just folded back into the legacy stack.
1: You know, it's it's interesting. I uh, we um, I was at Isilon in the early days, and of course, now these days, Isilon's a really well known company. But we had a, our very first. It's like one of our very first user conferences. And one of our big customers uh, came to the to the conference and they, they did a keynote presentation. And uh, her name was Sonia Erickson, and she's a really smart person. And she said to, to the whole room, she's like, guys, we have to be willing to buy from early stage companies. Because if we don't, then they're not going to make it. And we're going to be stuck with the same old stuff that we've had before. But, you know, buy from the companies that get it. Buy from the people that can partner with you and, and that you trust and, you know, lean into in this case, you know, the the uh, the folks that are working around metadata and orchestration and using artificial intelligence. But, you know, it's it's a call to arms that if you do that, you'll kind of Foster the growth and innovation there that will result holistically in everybody um, getting more than they would have any other way. Uh, Said a different way, gone are the days when, you know, nobody got fired for buying from IBM or nobody got fired for buying from EMC. Uh, And, you know, it's the earlier companies that that are really doing the more interesting things these days. There's no question about it.
0: So as we tie up here, I'm, I'm kind of curious, you know, when I garden, I usually have to put my flip flops and shorts on and go pull weeds. Can I use Carbon Robotics in my own garden or is that not quite <laughs> we, ready we, for we us We haven't as brought consumers? out the,
1: the home and garden version uh, of the laser weeder yet. Right now, this one is about 20 feet wide. It weighs about 9,000 pounds and it weeds, you know, hundreds of acres a, a day. It's, it's really cool. Check it out at www.carbonrobotics.com. Uh, if you're interested in, in, in seeing more about it. Uh, And uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. Best demo uh, I've ever, I've ever seen. I
0: love the demo. I've watched it several times. It's kind of one of those cathartic things to watch. It's very interesting. Watching, watching weeds fry. I mean,
1: farmers love it. So (laughs) anyway, it's been great fun and great teaming up with my old friends from Iceland to get this one uh, going. It's going really great.
0: That's great. Thanks for the conversation um, and wish you all the luck in this next endeavor that you're in. Hey, thanks so much, Molly. I had a blast. Thanks for listening to Data Unchained, powered by Hammerspace. To learn more, visit hammerspace.com. If you have a guest you would like to hear on the show, email me at molly at hammerspace.com.